During this pandemic, one thing has become very clear to me. It's that life is too short to not be living your dream. What is your dream? Do you dream of becoming an interior designer? If so, you'll want to head over to affordableinteriordesign.com academy. There you'll find a quiz that will help you determine the best path for you to becoming an interior designer. Do you want to work at a high-end firm? Are you hoping to maybe open your own business? Or is this something that maybe you should just keep as a hobby? Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com academy. There you'll find a quiz that I personally crafted to help set you on the correct path to make your interior design dreams a reality. You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hello, everybody. How is your summer going? As you may or may not remember from previous episodes, I love summer. It is my absolute favorite season. I wait for it all year long. The heat doesn't get to me at all. I thrive. This summer, however, has a different tone, and I am having a hard time seizing my enthusiasm. Enjoying every moment has been a bit more difficult for me. Um, You know, no summer camp, uh, job instability for my husband, and the interior design business has been a little bit strange, too. It's been... Um, nerve-wracking going to clients' homes, you know, even though we're wearing masks, they're wearing masks. It's a brave new world, and I'm just a little anxious. Are you guys feeling that? I'm going on vacations. I have to because I've been working insanely hard, and I've been just really going through it at work, trying to manage everything. And so I am going to go away, but I find myself with vacations, with TV, with everything, including food, gravitating towards things that are familiar, wanting to go to places I've always gone just because I know what to expect. I know how to stay safe. I'm watching shows that are very familiar. In other words, I'm just watching episodes of The Bachelor, just buying them on Amazon like they are bags of potato chips. Not because it's my favorite show, even though it's a pretty good one, but because I just want the familiar right now. Are you guys feeling that too? My husband's like, why are we going to vacation twice this summer at exactly the same spot in Rhode Island? And I said, honey, I just know what's going on. I know which restaurants have outdoor seating. I know which trails are going to be busy and which areas will be less busy. I know what to expect and that's what I need. Speaking of knowing what to expect, I want to be here for you guys still delivering podcasts as I can. Because your questions are coming in, which feels very good and very familiar, and I appreciate that. So without further ado, let me dig in. 
Oh wait, maybe a little more ado. Because at Affordable Interior Design, we are hiring interior designers. Now, we're hiring them for a small area only, the Westchester, New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York City area, but I am looking for a couple of them. So if you feel like that may be a fit for you, if you're located in this area with a car, if you have interior design experience, whether that means attending my academy or that means working at a retail shop like West Elm or Restoration Hardware, please email me. I would love to hear from you the best way actually to submit your information is to go to affordableinteriordesign.com once again that's affordableinteriordesign.com under the hello tab you will see the careers page and there's a place to fill out that application and send it to me right away because we are hiring right away uh, like I said, it's for a small territory only in this New York City vicinity. So keep that in mind. But please, if you're located here, reach out because I'd love to hear more about you. All right. Now there's no more ado. Now I'm diving headfirst into a podcast question from a premium member. Christy writes, Hi Betsy, I have so many questions for you, most which require long explanations with pictures, and that has been what has been holding me up. But I thought of two relatively easy to ask questions, and hopefully they will be easy for you to answer. Number one, if you were purchasing a rug to go in a bedroom with a king-size bed, and your choice of rug is either 8x10 or 9x12, which would you choose? Your book, and I only have the original edition, says 8x11 is ideal but hard to find, and it definitely is. Would 9x12 be too large? 9x12 is not necessarily too large, Christy. It depends on the size of the room. So if the size of the room is really big, 9x12 might look really nice there. Typically, I would go for an 8x10 if you can't find an 8x11 that suits you because say you do have a really large bedroom. Well, you may want to create a secondary area like a seating area or a vanity area or a desk area, in which case that might necessitate its own rug because, of course, you wouldn't want the desk chair or the vanity stool to pull out and hit the rug. Also, you don't want a rug in the bedroom to be going under the case goods like the dressers, right? Like the nightstands. Ideally, it would be in front of those items and not underneath the legs. So keep that in mind as you're measuring for your perfect rug. Let me get to your next question. You write, can you weigh in on moldings and trim? In particular, we're replacing some carpeting with a wood vinyl plank floor, and I'm wondering if it's absolutely necessary to put down shoe molding. I would love to hear if you have general advice about moldings and baseboards as well. The main floor of our house has wood floors with white baseboards and white stained quarter round finish. I really dislike the quarter round. It seems unnecessary and looks too traditional and very bulky. Can the baseboards just go straight down to the floor like they do in the tile in our bathroom? If we do need shoe molding, can it be painted white to match the baseboards or should it match the flooring? The internet seems divided on whether the baseboards should match the flooring or be white. Okay, 
So if the rest of your trim, like around your doors and windows, is wood-stained, then ideally the baseboards would be wood-stained. In my opinion, that can be a dark and heavy look unless you live in a place like a Tudor or a log cabin where that's really an innate feature of the architecture. Uh, I prefer, and I typically do, paint the trim the color of white, right? Some kind of version of white, whether it's slightly off-white or purely stark white, I do typically paint trim around doors, windows, and of course that includes the baseboards. Now I also in my home have areas where there is baseboard and there is quarter round. Now the quarter round is like a small trim that touches the baseboard and touches the flooring. I paint that white as well, white to match the trim so it looks like one piece. Now the reason that is there most commonly is because when they put the baseboard down, there were areas that were not plumb, where there would be a gap between the flooring and the baseboard, and that's typically why they do that. It's kind of a quick fix. Does it look very sophisticated? No, but the way to help it blend into the background is painted the same color as the baseboards. Um, now in my apartment in New York City, I had quarter round that was the baseboard. It was a small studio apartment and there was no baseboard, there was just quarter round covering the gap between the flooring and the wall. And that was also painted the same color as the trim. So I typically include that as a trim color and treat it in kind. Hopefully that made sense for you, Christy, and I hope that solved your personal dilemma. Next you ask, what are your thoughts on painting molding, windows, baseboards, colors other than white? I've heard you say before that molding should match throughout the house, but there seems to be a trend towards painting moldings either the same color as the wall or black. What is your opinion? Yes, there is a lot of stuff happening these days around painting trim a color. So it would no longer be a shade of white. It could be a shade of black. It could be a shade of taupe. My thing is, if you're going to have trim, like baseboards, like trim around the windows, doors, maybe even a picture rail or crown molding, it should contrast with the walls. Now, I mean this in 90% of cases. 10% of cases like an ultra-modern building or a loft conversion, it could look organic and nice to have stark white baseboards and stark white walls. Kind of that museum effect. Very modern, ultra-sleek, something like that. But in most cases where there is trim, I like it to be differentiated from the wall tone. Now you can do like a whitish type wall or a lightish type wall and a more interesting type trim. Oftentimes it would be a neutral, like a version of gray or taupe or beige, right? Something deeper than the wall color. Or it could be a true Roy G. Biv color, like a navy blue, something like that. This is a whole lot of look, right? And it is hard to continue from one room to the next. Sometimes it's just a room-specific look. I do think of trim as an architectural detail that I like to keep homogenous throughout a space. 
Certainly there may be times in which I would want to feature one room that has really different colored trim, but I personally don't decorate architecturally towards trends. If I'm making an architectural change like paint or like um, hardware finish, like changing out hinges or doorknobs. I think of it throughout the house and try and keep it consistent. I am not a very trendy designer and when I want to play with trends, I will do so in things like patterns, uh, fabrics, artwork, pops of color, rather than those really expensive, hard to change things like paint. So that's my two cents on that, Christy. Now you close your email by saying, I'm really looking forward to your answers and I'm enjoying listening to your podcast. I have plans to send in some photos and ask your opinion on repainting and redecorating lots of aspects of our house, which we do plan to do soon. I hope you and your family continue to stay safe and healthy during these difficult times. All my best, Christy. Now, Christy, I want you to remember that as a premium member, you can have an entire episode devoted to your home and your design dilemmas. Just make sure you send in quite a few pictures and quite a few questions, and you can have an All About Christy episode as soon as next month. Guys, if you want to become a premium member, have your very own episode, or get your questions taped, taped, is that a thing? risen, get your elevated, yes, your questions elevated to the top of my inbox. Well, make sure to become a premium member. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, go to the media tab and you'll see podcast and you'll see a button to click to become a premium member for $5.99 a month. Our premium members are our VIPs. They help to keep us on the airwaves each and every week. So head over to show your support and get your questions answered. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. During this tough and uncertain time, a lot of us are finding a little bit more time to pursue our hobbies and passions. Does that sound like you? Would you like to learn more about interior design? Well, you'll want to check out my online classes. They cover topics ranging from feng shui and artwork to furniture and my favorite stores. You can find out more about them and start the online classes today by going to affordableinteriordesign.com and clicking on the shop tab. There you will see my online classes, the bundle of three for $99. Additionally, when you purchase that value pack of three classes, you're also going to get a signed copy of my book absolutely free. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on the shop tag and start your online classes today. Well, my next question, speaking of premium members, comes from Connie, who is also a premium member. Connie writes, Hi, Betsy. I only recently learned about your fabulous podcast. How come nobody told me sooner? You are a gem, and I have been eating up everything you've said in the last 10 podcast episodes I have listened to. I've already become a premium member, and I plan to purchase a signed copy of your book next week. Well, thank you, Connie. I really appreciate it. And guys, we need to start spreading the word about this podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family. It really helps us out and it helps people like Connie find us that much sooner. All right, back to your email. 
In the meantime, can you please help me with my fireplace? Attached are some pictures and you can see that it is quite imposing with floor to ceiling brick and it's centered in the middle of our rather long and narrow family room. On one side of the room that includes our large sectional and TV, you will see that on the other side of the room there's a round table which we use primarily for games. There's also a sliding door that exits to our backyard. There are dark wood ceiling beams in the room. The mantle for the fireplace is quite shallow and it has two rows of stair-step bricks below it. Here are my questions. A family member has offered to make a wood mantle to cover the narrow brick mantle. Should I take him up on this offer? If so, should the wood mantle match the beams in color and texture? First of all, you are totally right, Connie. This is quite a dramatic fireplace. There is a lot of brick that is sort of brick colored. It's um, got versions of red and brown. There's even some white brick mixed in, some taupe, some grayish, and it's floor to ceiling. So there is a lot of this texture. Even the hearth is made of brick. I think breaking up this brick facade with a mantle would be a great idea. I would either make it the depth of one row of bricks or maybe of two rows of bricks, considering you do have that step down that you mentioned. And if it were a little bit thicker, uh, it would better replicate the look of those beams. Yes, you do have dark wood beams that contrast with a white ceiling, and I would treat this mantle like an architectural finish, which should then match the beams in stain color, and in my mind, even in the thickness. All right, let me go back to the questions here. Second question. Does this mantle look terribly dated? The house is colonial and was built in the 70s. If so, how should I fix that? Should I paint it? If so, what color? I had planned to paint it a few years ago, but my daughter was in college and working for a realtor showing houses. She said nearly every house had painted their fireplace and she thought that it was way too overdone. So I put the brakes on those plans. Should I have the brick rift off and put tile up? If so, which color? All right, so you had called it mantle, but I think you mean fireplace surround. Does this fireplace surround look horribly dated, you're asking? Well, it is a lot of the brick tone, but you want to think about how long you're going to be here. If you're going to be here over seven years, you know, if you're going to be here between seven and 15 years, anything you do will probably look dated. So just please yourself. Also, it looks like there's some other dated things in this room, just to be quite frank. You've got wood paneling, which has been painted, so it does have a much better look than the typical wood paneling we may be thinking of that's organic to the 70s. But, you know, we'd have to refresh quite a bit in this room to make it feel very contemporary. I also think that if you painted this brick white, it may necessitate you also painting those beams. They might look pretty out of place considering all the other trim in the room is a version of white. The walls are sort of a creamier off-white and it may just look like these dark imposing lines on the ceiling with everything below being light if you did choose to paint it white. 
Do I love the modeling, the different colors of red, brown, off-white taupe in the fireplace? Not necessarily, but I think it goes well with your transitional style. If it ain't broke, why are we fixing it? The only thing I would suggest is taking up your friend or was it a family member on the offer of building out that mantle in a wood that coordinates with the beams. I think that will be a really nice look. Uh, you know, your home doesn't have to feel like every other home in order for it to sell. It just has to look cohesive to the home that it's in, right? To the architecture of the space. And I think that once you add that mantle, it will do enough to break things up. All right, number three, what kind of decorations should I put on the mantle and hearth? Do I have too much stuff on or around it? We almost never actually light the fire in it anymore. Do I think this area is over-designed? Yes. Let me just draw a picture for people who are listening. So there's a clock above the mantle. To the right of the clock, there is a faux plant. Oh my gosh, you know how I feel about that. Um, to the right of that, there is a picture frame. To the right of that, there is a wooden whale tail. On the left-hand side, there's a vase with some dried eucalyptus. And then there is a wooden fish sculpture. As we move down below the mantle, there is a wire bin that has some birch logs. There is a hopefully live fern uh, in the middle of the fireplace. And to the right, there is another metal bucket that has some birch logs and some, looks like dried reeds. Hopefully you guys can't hear that local fire um, firehouse alarm that goes off. We are in a small village here in Westchester, and in order to alert the volunteer fire department, they sound this really annoying alarm that goes off day and night, that wakes my children with a start, and interrupts my podcast flow. Back to you, Connie. Yes, you're over-designed, and you need to remove about half of what's going on here. You need to be really intentional with what you put on a fireplace because it is a focal point. This looks messy. It looks arbitrary. It looks uh, over-designed. I love the contrast of this stark white and black clock on this wooden or not wooden, excuse me, um, brown and brick-colored fireplace surround. We need these pops of freshness. But you want to think about what a fireplace actually needs, right? And even though you rarely burn it, I could see some fireplace tools, um, maybe in this dark black color, really contrasting nicely with the fireplace surround. What I would not add is anything that is brick-colored, like your kind of... Um, coppery metal uh, log holder, um, or even your picture frame, which is brown and then has this kind of brick red mat in it. I would also avoid anything brown. This is already brown town with the brick colors. So remove, remove that wooden fish sculpture, remove that whale tail, think about contrast, and make sure everything is quite intentional. Uh, another thing that I like to do above a fireplace, rather than doing a clock, even though I think the clock looks very nice, as I mentioned, is thinking about a mirror. 
maybe even an oval mirror hung horizontally because it is such a wide fireplace. Because according to feng shui, a fireplace is, of course, fire energy. And we want to create balance. So creating balance means adding something that's opposite or contrasting. And that would be a mirror because a mirror, according to feng shui, is water imagery, which would perfectly offset your fire. All right, last question here. You write, on a side note, we are needing new carpet. We currently have Berber. Is Berber out of style? What do you suggest? The rest of the house is hardwood, so I really love having this family room carpeted. No, Berber is classic, chic, not out of style. The only thing that I think is maybe a little out of style about your particular Berber is that there is a really prominent kind of diamond design and that looks a little bit dated. I'd rather you go with a Berber that has a much more minimal, a small design or texture, so that way it really fades into the background and registers more as a solid than as a distinct pattern. But I think Berber would look lovely in here and I certainly love it better than that plush carpeting. Um, so there we go. Now you sign off by saying, Betsy, I've noticed that my friends and family are just too kind to, to say what they really think. So I want to hear it from you. I thank you for your honesty, your sincerity, and your occasional smackdowns. Your friend in Indiana, Connie. P.S. I took your online style test and mine came up with contemporary. I thought that was exactly right. Well, Connie, are you ready for a smackdown? I hope you are. Now, you are referring to the quiz that's on my website if you go to affordableinteriordesign.com and it's your first time there, there will be a design style quiz that pops up. You can take it, it's lots of fun, it's quick and easy, and it will tell you what your style is. Based on the two shots I'm seeing here of your family room, I actually think that you are transitional. You have rolled arm sofas, you have a clock that has an old style font, it even harkens back to railway days based on the inscription in the center. I do not think you are all that contemporary. I want you to take that quiz again and see if maybe you don't get a different transitional result. Guys, it is so nice reconnecting with you. If you have questions, don't hesitate to send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. I hope that you're getting away for a little vacation and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Until next time, bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Katherine Heller to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.